Hello from Wonder Media Network. I'm Lovey Jai Jones. I'm a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and host of the podcast Professional Troublemaker. I'm so excited to be your guest host for this month of Womanica. This month, we're highlighting prodigies, women who achieved greatness at a young age. This is especially a passion point for me because my latest book, Rising Troublemaker, a fear fighter manual for teens, reminds them that they are never too young to make a significant impact. Today, we are talking about one of the most revered actresses of the 20th century. With a career spanning 70 years, she served as an icon for generations of moviegoers. Let's give it up for Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor was born on February 27, 1932, in London. Her father was an American art dealer. Her mother had been a stage actress before getting married. Elizabeth would become known for her striking eyes, which were naturally violet. But she was also born with a rare condition that gave her a double row of eyelashes. Elizabeth spent her earliest years in England, where she learned to horseback ride. But when World War II appeared on the horizon, the family fled. They settled in Beverly Hills, and with Hollywood just next door, Elizabeth's mother encouraged her daughter to act. In 1942, 10-year-old Elizabeth made her big-screen debut in a film called There's One Born Every Minute. Her career, initially, seemed to stall out. But then, an audition came through for a new movie called National Velvet. For years, the casting directors had searched for a young actress who could horseback ride and speak in an English accent. Elizabeth fit the role perfectly, except for one small detail. She was too short. The studio delayed production for several months in hopes that she would get a bit taller. Elizabeth later said that she willed herself to grow three inches. National Velvet became an enormous hit, grossing more than $4 million. Elizabeth, at just 12 years old, became a star. But National Velvet wasn't an entirely positive experience. Elizabeth fell off a horse on set, breaking her back and leaving her with a lifetime injury. She also had to sign a long and restrictive contract with MGM. Though she didn't have much formal acting training, Elizabeth seamlessly transitioned from child star to movie vixen. At 18, as she began taking on more adult roles, she also entered into her first marriage with hotel heir Nikki Hilton. Over 3,000 fans gathered outside the church, but the marriage only lasted about a year. Elizabeth would go on to marry seven more times, with the paparazzi following her every move. While her love life made international headlines, Elizabeth continued to shine on the big screen. She delivered dynamic performances in the drama A Place in the Sun and the film adaptation of the Edna Ferber novel Giant, co-starring James Dean. Two years later, she dazzled audiences in the film adaptation of Tennessee Williams' Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. The year after, she starred in another Williams classic, Suddenly Last Summer. In 1960, Elizabeth earned her first Oscar, winning the Best Actress Award for her role as a call girl in Butterfield 8. The public's obsession with Elizabeth's love was reinvigorated when she started dating Richard Burton. They'd fallen in love while on the set of Cleopatra, a film that cost $37 million to make, the most expensive production at the time. 
1966, she won her second Academy Award for Best Actress for her role as Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Elizabeth would go on to marry Richard Burton not once, but twice. Elizabeth had beauty, wealth, fame, and a notoriously huge jewelry collection. But she also dealt with a number of health issues, struggled with alcoholism and drug abuse, and had several near-death experiences. In the early 1980s, she went to rehab, one of the first celebrities to do so. Eventually, Elizabeth got sober and moved into a new phase of her career, activist. After her friend, the actor Rock Hudson, was diagnosed with AIDS, Elizabeth helped establish the American Foundation for AIDS Research. In its first year, the foundation awarded $1.5 million in research grants. Elizabeth overcame a litany of health problems throughout the 1990s, from diabetes to congestive heart failure. She had both hips replaced and in 1997 had a brain tumor removed. On March 23, 2011, Elizabeth passed away from heart failure. Known for always being late, she asked for her funeral to start 15 minutes after it was supposed to, so she could be in the afterlife, as she was while she was still alive. All month, we're highlighting prodigies. For more information, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. You can order Rise and Troublemaker everywhere books are sold. Special thanks to creators Jenny and Liz Kaplan for inviting me to guest host. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.